Hi, in this episode of IB Matters, we talked to Paul Campbell of IB Americas about the first ever IB virtual conference. This event, created out of necessity during the COVID-19 pandemic, is a great demonstration of how important gathering, sharing, and learning continue to be for everyone in the IB community. It clearly illustrates the global nature of the IB movement, with 4,500 registrants from 110 countries participating over four days. Welcome to IB Matters, a podcast for those who currently teach, lead, attend, or are interested in international baccalaureate IB schools. Hi, folks. Welcome back to IB Matters. I'm here with a very special guest that many of you will probably know already, but I'll let him introduce himself anyway. His name is Paul Campbell, and he works with the IB Americas out of Bethesda. And uh, I'll let him share a little bit, but we are going to talk today about the uh, what appears to be a highly successful launch of uh, our first virtual conference for IB. And so the IB virtual conference is the subject, and our, and our uh, uh, guest today is Paul Campbell. So welcome, Paul. Thanks, John. Um, hello, everybody. I, w- I want to say first, before I talk about me, I'd like to talk about you and uh, the idea of IB Matters, which has been going on for a couple of years. John Peterson and others in Minnesota, Minnesota's IB community taking the lead and has really caught on. Um, not only is it uh, a way that people are communicating right now, but uh, they do such a good job of highlighting in a brief way some of the important things that are going on in the IB. <clears throat> which is very dear to my heart because I worked for the IB since 1988. When I joined the IB, there was only four people in my office, and there was only one program, and there was only about 250 schools. And now there's wow. about 200 people in my office. There's four programs and about 7,000 schools. Wow. Um, and my job is to work with universities, governments, uh, associations of IB world schools, um, other educational organizations, um, and basically to represent the IB in external relations with the goal of uh, persuading more people to give the IB opportunity to kids in their communities. Um, I also remind people that <clears throat> IB doesn't just transform the lives of individual students, but also of teachers, of administrators, and of whole communities. So having been part of this for three decades is exhilarating. I won't say that in the last nine months have been the highlight of of my career, but I will say that I'm excited for any opportunity uh, to connect to the the people I admire, respect, and frankly, the people I miss, like those of you listening to this podcast. Yeah, well, thanks for those words. I, uh, from the beginning, you've been very supportive. I, I even called your office to say, is it okay if I do this? <laughs> I, I think it was kind of, the, the answer was kind of like, well, we can't stop you anyway, so... Um, but, but, but from the time we first talked about this in person at a summer conference, um, uh, you've been very supportive and encouraging, and this is the first time I've been able to have you on. So I'm really pleased that you had the time today at this busy time, uh, to talk and, uh, the, the topic, the IB virtual conference, uh, tell us a little bit about that. Um, it, it, uh, obviously it's a sign of the times that we couldn't get together last summer. Um, and and so we'll have to see what happens as the as the next year uh, unfolds. But here we go with the virtual conference, and boy, by the numbers, it seems like it's really working. So, what uh, what was the genesis, and and kind of what's going on? What is it? It's fairly simple. Uh, for the last many 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 years, we've had three 
conferences, um, in-person conferences. Mm -hmm. um, and we've had one in Asia, one in Europe, and one in the Americas. I've been in charge of one in the Americas for about 15 years. Um, those conferences gather together anywhere between 1,500 and 2,000 IB educators and other uh, members of the IB community for three incredible days of inspiration, reflection, planning, and connection. And we've had to cancel uh, all our 2020 conferences. Uh, and we probably will have to look long and hard at whether we'll be able to come together in person in 2021. So there's a hunger <clears throat> in the IB community. I use the word movement um, rather than organization because I think there's something uh, uniquely powerful about the impact that IB has on practitioners. They want to connect. Um, and uh, frankly, we were a little skeptical that they'd want to uh, spend more time um, on their computer because mm -hmm. they're spending so much time, um, you know, with their screens in order just to deliver uh, ongoing education to their students. Uh, our skepticism was ill-founded. There's 4,500 people from 110 countries that will be gathering, so to speak, virtually mm -hmm. over the next uh, four days. Um, and when you think about it, um, though, we will get back together in person someday soon. The sooner the better, as far as I'm concerned. There is unique advantages to doing this virtually. First, many more people have access to it. Uh, they, right. Many more people can afford it. Many more people have the time to do it. Um, and as a result, not only are the numbers high, but it's a truly global conference. The Americas conference, we had people from 30 countries, but you know there was a few countries that dominated. Same with Asia, where you get mostly India, China, and Australia. With Europe, where you get the UK and a few other, Spain and a few other leading IB countries. But here, we literally have people from all over the world. Um, and places that never would have been able to access conferences in Africa, in the Emirates, uh, in South Asia. And um, the US, while it's the largest country in terms of the number of people attending, it's much less of a percentage than it would be at our summer conference. And mm -hmm. I think that's healthy because it reinforces the fact that this is truly a global movement and people all over the world uh, want to connect with each other. Is this kind of a combination? Of, of all three in one, yes. then, do you think? Are you getting people exactly. that would, okay. This is a global great. conference. We've declared it as a global conference. It's replacing the three conferences that, you know, essentially deliver to individual regions. Um, as far as I know, and I know better than most because I've been around forever, uh, the only other time we had a global conference was in 1998, where we had a small conference in Switzerland. So okay. for the second time, in 52 years, we're bringing the whole globe together. So in a um, strange way, um, the the pandemic has forced us to innovate and it, it ended up bringing together a much more diverse group than might otherwise be together. We're recording this on December 7th and the dates for the actual conference are what? Does it start Starts tomorrow? tomorrow and, and we're doing it Eighth? in a unique okay. way. Because remember, we're dealing with um, time zones literally around the world. Um, right. right now, it's it's 4.30 here in Washington, D.C., but it's 5.30 in the morning for my colleagues in Singapore. And right. it's uh, almost 11 o'clock at night for my colleagues in Central Europe. So um, the, tomorrow is the day that everybody joins. 
it's the opening general session. Um, there's student performances. Um, there's a, a, a keynote address from our director general, Dr. Siva Kumari, and a panel about educational innovation. Um, and that's right in the middle of the day in Europe. It's at one o'clock. So it's going to be 7 a.m. here in um, the uh, East Coast. John, it would be six o'clock for you so you'd have to yep. be aspirational all right I'm feeling you're an early riser um, i generally am yes. at night for asia <laughs> okay great and then that's, the, the, that's kind of a sweet are, spot for days, time yeah each day is devoted to a different region time zone wise so right. wednesday is designed for asia uh thursday is designed for europe friday is designed for the americas you can attend anytime you want if you're registered you can get up in the middle of the night and go to the asia uh, uh, Pacific uh, sessions. You can stay up late and go to the uh, um, European sessions, whatever uh, you favor. Uh, but we wanted to make sure that at least one day that made sense for most of the people in our time. time okay, zone, that's great. Say. So will those, will, sure, will that day, each day be similar? Do they have local um, presenters in each one? That's a really good question. Each day will be structured similarly in that there'll be a, a keynote address um, and um, then there'll be breakout sessions um, and the breakout sessions are essentially people coming together in rooms around a published topic. Um, and when we chose the breakout sessions, we tried to choose ones that were most relevant for the respective regions. Okay. So on Friday, when we're doing the Americas, there's sessions about equity and access in U.S. public schools. It wouldn't make any sense to have that on Thursday or Wednesday, but it makes perfect sense to have it on Friday. Yep. So it's a little bit of a blend um, in terms of tailoring it to the region, but also keeping it global. That's cool. Um, all right, so breakout rooms, you know, we've run our Minnesota workshop, our Minnesota association meetings. We just had one last Tuesday and, and I managed breakout room with uh, 55 people in in four breakout rooms i was just thinking as you said breakout rooms and you're going to have this kind of participation that must be a logistical uh, challenge <laughs> i've been less involved in this one than in the <laughs> person and I, I i have to say i'm grateful for that because close colleagues of mine are working around the clock it's not just uh, all the things that are new um it's the sheer size of it and yeah. the the ambition yeah. of this conference because yeah. we've actually been open for a couple of weeks and people have been chatting and gathering and uh, staff has been talking to um, attendees and presenters have been talking to uh, people who are coming to kind of create the buzz. Then we have the actual gathering in the last four, next four days. And then for a month after, we have the post-conference conversation with everything up on the web. Um, mm -hmm. And so, you know, we are... <clears throat> We had to find the right platform and uh, that's flexible, uh, but reliable. Uh, so yeah, at any given time, if you have eight breakouts and there could be any up to 100 people, 150 people in those breakouts, um, they're going to appear essentially as individual um, video calls or Zooms or yeah. Microsoft Teams or whatever you, uh, whatever you favor. Um, okay. So it's gonna be interesting, but we have a ton of support ton of preparation from very talented people. That's great. That's great. So one of my favorite parts about going to the in-persons, and I've been fortunate enough to go to every in-person since 05, except for 
uh, was it the Bahamas? My department yeah, wouldn't, let me, wouldn't, my let me go, wouldn't let me go oh, that six. year. Yeah, that's that's the only one I didn't go to. But um, one of my favorite parts, besides, of course, the great information in the sessions is uh, shopping around the different vendors and talking to people. Is that Are vendors involved in this one? They are. Okay, how's fact, that? We sold out. We sold out our virtual exhibit hall. Um, uh, but it's simpler in a way uh, in that... Um, they come in at whatever level they want to come in at it. If, uh, if they come at it at a higher level, they, um, you know, get more exposure on the website and things like that. But essentially, um, you connect with them virtually. You can have a chat with them um, during designated exhibit hours, a live chat. You can also leave your contact information with them for them to contact you later. And when you visit any given organization or company or a vendor um, <clears throat> you'll be able to click on um, a button which will tell you what they do so you may see some you know like manage back mm -hmm. uh, you may see some you haven't heard of um, and you're curious about what they do and that information is accessible to you so in some ways though you miss the taste of coffee and and the mm -hmm. croissant um, it's actually um, a little bit more elegant because you actually will have time to go to all of them and have meaningful conversations. Uh, it'll be a little less uh, rushed than it is in the in-person conference. Yeah, yeah. No, but that, that sounds like a great uh, a great option. It'll be interesting. You know, we have uh, here in Minnesota, we, um, we had to adapt also. We canceled our summer conference and then our fall in-person roundtables went virtual. And we've struggled to get participation. Yeah. So I'm kind of looking forward to um, seeing how this all goes and maybe following up with your team afterwards, because uh, this might be an option for local associations like ourselves to try to do something here as well. We're just like you, we're not so sure we'll be, in fact, we've already decided we're not going to have our 400 person summer conference, but, um, but we, you know, something like this might be a great option and people can do it from when they're still on summer break and not have to come into town. Yeah. Okay. And, um, we're learning lessons as we go, and we're definitely happy to share those because, yeah. you know, John, I think we all know, um, and, you know, on a somber note, you know, we all know that this is a enormously challenging time, and not just in terms of in-person versus virtual, but things much more serious than that. And, uh, you know, the, the connection that the IB community has with each other is so sustaining. Um, that I feel it's um, really important that we get together however we can. So as we as we turn the page to what hopefully will be a better year in 2021, there's still a lot of uncertainty. Mm -hmm. um, and it's it, to me, it seems very evident that many, many schools throughout the Americas, uh, certainly in the U.S. and several Latin American countries, which are struggling perhaps even more than the U.S., and parts of Canada, school will continue to be a virtual experience for, you know, what we would call the second semester in the U.S., you know, January right. through May. Right. Uh, and um, so we may have to find some way of blending the in-person and the virtual experience. We will never abandon the in-person experience, which I have particular passion for right. because it's so energizing. It's exhausting and energizing. Yeah, no, I agree. And, and and you know how you leave those conferences, just so full of ideas, but also full of energy. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes you get ground down in your local setting. Sometimes I get ground down 
in my local setting. And then I go and see the, the sheer enthusiasm of these really, really extraordinary educators. Not, you know, not average educators, but people who are willing to go the, the extra mile. And yet, in 2021, we may have to blend that at least at, in, at times with a virtual experience. So why mm -hmm. shouldn't we have the best of both worlds? Why shouldn't right. we give people the access that virtual uh, provides and the energy that in-person provides? Right. Yeah, we're considering in our meeting last week, we talked about hybridizing our roundtables so that there's an initial in-person meeting, which they don't want to do without, but then yep. take a lesson from our our uh, uh, online ones we've been doing that folks really appreciate the the touchback every month or two afterwards. And and so we're, we're kind of looking in that direction as well, Paul, and I think it's going to be something that... Uh, you know, it's one of the many consequences that may be a positive looking looking out into the future of, of this uh, stressful Well, uh, I know circumstance the Minnesota community, and I know um, I've been involved with them for a long time, and I know how innovative they are. So maybe we're the ones that are going to be asking you for ideas rather than you asking <laughs> us for ideas. Yeah, well, or I got a better idea. I, Let's just share ideas like we always yeah, do at IB. Yeah. And folks listening to this podcast as well. Well, from all over the world, same with you. Um, anything that you have to share and ideas, uh, we're always looking to hear from you and uh, and share them whatever way that you can. Uh, Paul, I know you've got a busy schedule leading up to this. I don't want to take too much more of your time. Is there anything else you want to add about the virtual conference or anything you want to say to the, the whole community out there? I, I would say, you know, you, we have to continue to participate. We have to continue to make efforts and not get discouraged. Uh, mostly, we have to take care of ourselves and take care of each other. Um, and I can't wait until I get to shake your hand um, and work with you in person again. Thank you, Paul. And thanks for taking the time out today to be with us just in this busy time ahead of the virtual conference. Um, and good luck to all of you that are participating in the virtual conference. I hope that you have an enjoyable and, and rewarding experience. Thanks for listening. You can learn much more about the IB Virtual Conference and other aspects of the IB Pre-K to 12th grade Continuum of Education using links in our podcast notes as well as on the IB website at ibo.org. Now that we have well over 50 IB Matters episodes covering a range of topics, you can use our podcast webpage, which is organized by program and by topic. The link to the website is in our podcast notes. Also, we want to call your attention to the official IB Organization podcast called IB Voices. Each episode is interesting and has practical information to share from experts across the IB continuum. Please find all of our episodes wherever you get your podcasts and click subscribe so you don't miss any future programs. Follow us on Twitter at MattersIB. Also, help us spread the word about IB by liking, sharing, and reviewing the IB Matters links in your own feeds and social networks. In about a year and a half, we've been heard in over 140 countries, a testament to the global reach of the IB.